Good evening. Did you have a good Chinese meal? <laughs> you say yes, that means you have to come, because the food there is even better. We're living in very exciting times, and I come here tonight to bring you good news. You know, we hear terrible news every day. You turn on the TV, and then you hear about the economy, the global economy, what's happening, especially in America. And then you turn it to the Middle East, and you hear all these demonstrations and wars and civil wars and all, all the bad news. So I'm not going to do the bad news tonight. So let's sit back and relax. And I want to tell you some good news. I've been involved in ministry in Asia.、Um, For the last, if I tell you how many years, then it will show my age.、Uh, well,、uh, I've been involved、um, for about 27, 28 years in the work in Asia, and I see the move of God. And there's one scripture verse that I particularly like when I think of what I have seen throughout these 26, 27 years. And it's in Habakkuk chapter two, verse 14, and it says, "For the earth." Will be filled with the glory of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters covers the sea. When I first read this, I thought, like you know, God's glory is going to come down. Wham! One day it will just happen. We'll be walking the streets, or we'll be in Asia, in America, anywhere, and His glory will just come. Wham! But About ten years ago, I read this over and over, and suddenly I received this revelation. And it's like the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. When it talks about knowledge, it talks about what people who know God. That this earth will be filled with people who know God. People who know the glory of God. And as I look at the la- last twenty-some years, and I see more and more and more. 1990, when the door of Nepal opened up, for many many years it was under、uh, the the rule of Buddhism, and you're not allowed to become a Christian. And there were few who went out and of the country, came back and became Christians, and they were persecuted, they were chased, they were taken and put into prison. And when 1990, the door of Nepal opened up, there were very few Christians in there. But today, there are several hundred thousands followers of Jesus. Not just people who sit in the pew, but people who went out to preach the gospel. Mongolia, 1990, when it first opened up, people went in and they found five followers of Jesus. Three of them were from. Outside, there were foreigners. Only two local Mongolians. 1990, Mongolia is a vast country with a small population, and today there are over 60 to 70 thousand followers of Jesus. God is on the move. God is on the move. Vietnam, the same thing. Today there are over one million followers of Jesus, and Vietnam is still considered quite a close country. Laos. The same thing. God is doing a mighty work, 
raising up for himself a people who knows the glory of the Lord and who's doing it all over. Of course, my favorite country where I travel in and out and Dan and Don and Carol came on a trip with, uh, or I went on a trip with them, you know, was China. China, I think most of you heard a lot about China, but I'm going to repeat myself because, you know, it's easy to forget, especially when you get bombarded with a lot of information every day. China, in 1949, after over 150 years of missionary work inside China, when Chairman Mao took over, made China into Communist People's Republic of China, there were probably about one million Christians inside China. The door of China closed, missionaries were kicked out, Bibles were burnt, churches were turned into warehouses or closed up or burnt down. All the pastors, leaders, workers, Sunday school teachers were put into prison. There was nothing left of Christianity. And in the early 70s, when the reporters from outside interviewed Chairman Mao's wife, Jiang Qing, and say, so what will happen to Christianity inside China? Do you think it will still exist? And the Chairman Mao's wife say, yes, it will exist in the museum. And that was the purpose of the enemy, to eradicate Christianity, eradicate churches, eradicate anything to do with Christianity. They cannot eradicate God. Silence for many, many years. And many, many people prayed. I'm sure many of the older generation of Christ Church of Oak Brook, there were people who were working inside China, came back, and they got people to pray and pray and pray and pray and pray. In the late 70s, the door of China opened up. And what happened? They went in, they thought, how many believers will be left? What would happen to the church in China? Well, they didn't find a dying church. They didn't find a struggling church. They didn't find a growing church. They found an exploding church from one million in 1949. In the late 70s, early 80s, 40 million followers of Jesus. God did it. Today, they say they're about, you know, between 80 million to 100 million believers inside China. I don't really care 80 or 100 million. You can't count them all. If I have about that much in my bank account, 80 million is as good as 1 million <laughs> or 100 million. But it was just like an explosion of the glory of God. And the people who know their God. And I went in and I asked, why, why, why did this happen? You know, from the outside, you always ask why. How did it happen? Why, why? And they look like me like, what do you mean by why? God did it. God did it. God did it. But as I went further, as I talked with them, I said, yes, God did it, yes. But I did something. I discovered a people who lived out even though they didn't have the Bible at that time, they didn't have anyone to teach them, but they were living out Matthew 28, 
19 and 20. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. And I discover a group of people who didn't just know that there was a God, but who observed the commandments of God, whatever little that they have. All of you, oh no, not all of you, 10 years ago, I came with Sister D. How many of you still remember Sister D? Yeah, oh well, well then I can tell stories. Sister D, Sister D was 12 years old when she heard about Christianity. That was in her school. It was in 1972, and there was this cultural revolution going on in China. All the, remember, all the Christians were put into prison, the workers, the leaders, and if you profess that you are a Christian at that time, you would either be put into labor camps, into prison, or they put you out in the streets and just ridicule you. Anyway, nobody dared to say anything. And then in the school, Sister D heard the teacher say, down with Christianity, down with Christianity. And she thought, something is wrong here because my mother is a Christian. She knew it. Why would they say down with Christianity? My mother is not a bad person. She went home and asked her mother, and her mother didn't say too much and just said, come, come with me, and took her to a prayer meeting. Unbeknownst to the government and to the rest of the world, there was a movement of old people in their 70s, in their 80s, who have heard the gospel from the missionaries before 1949. And these people said, this cannot be, this cannot be. Oh, we must call to Jesus for help. We must call to Jesus to change this country, change this situation. We must. And four or five of them in one village gather in a home, close all the doors, the windows, put stuff against the windows, All over the villages inside China, old people, 70, 80, gathering. And Sister D went to this prayer meeting. And she walked in and she saw all these like, coming in with their little stick, helping them. And she thought like, oh, what's happening here? But they gathered together and the mother said, here, kneel beside us. And they started to pray. She said, when these old people started to pray, at that time they were just old women, when they started to pray, she felt suddenly a door open before her. And on this side of the door was darkness. On the other side of the door was light. And she just felt attracted and drawn, and she crossed to the other side of the door, and she met Jesus. And her life was changed. She said, I was 12 years old. I didn't even know what sin was, but I felt like something really heavy left me, and I became very happy and light. 
So what did she do? After that, she found this thing that made her so free and happy and light. She went back to school. She didn't tell anybody. She went back to school and she looked for her best friend. She thought, I must tell her and her family. This is so good. She went to her best friend. Can I come to your house for dinner tonight? And the friend like, well, let me ask my mother. You know, and mother said, okay, come. And so at a point in time, she turned up and there was a bowl of rice. There wasn't that much stuff, but just a bowl of rice. And she just <laughs> gobbled down the rice and the mother looked at her and like, okay. After she finished that bowl of rice, she stood up and said, I have good news for you. And she just told them. She didn't know what to say, but she said, Jesus is God. Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus can save. And the mother of her best friend heard that and said, this is so wonderful. This is such good news. Come back tomorrow night. So Sister D went home and came back the next night. They had another bowl of rice for her. And she ate the bowl of rice and the whole room, not very big, maybe, I don't know, double the size of that table. The whole room was double the size of that table. About 60 to 70 people gathered in that room. Dan can vouch for that. He went to a room that was so small, that was crammed, so full of Chinese people. We can make a lot of space, you know. And she stood there and she's, again, she didn't know how to preach. She just said, Jesus save. Jesus is the son of God. Believe in Jesus and you will be healed. I mean, she didn't ever know what she was really talking about, but she just knew that she heard that from her mother and she started doing that. And all of a sudden, right in the middle of the meeting, the woman, I mean, it wasn't meeting, the gathering, and the, there was a woman who, who screamed like, ah! And, and everyone, everybody looked around, look at this woman. What are you doing disturbing us from listening to the good news? And the woman bent down and picked up something that looked like a ball this big. And they looked at her and she said, this was here. Now this is here. As Sister D claimed that Jesus heals, the tumor that she had growing on her throat fell off. Guess what happened? The whole room of people came to know Jesus. Sister D started running around from 12, 13, 14, 15 to other villages to do the same thing. When she was 18, on her birthday, her mother packed her bag. Now you are 18, you can go. And she left with an evangelistic team and went all over China. Go and make disciples of all the nations. At that time, they didn't know. But that's the word, that's the command. Sister Zhang was the same. She came to know the Lord when she was 20-something, you know, and very on fire. Jesus is amazing. Jesus heals. So she and three ladies, 20-something young ladies, they heard about this village. They had a few believers, and they needed encouragement. So these four sisters went up to that village and said, we'll spend a week here. We'll preach, and we'll talk, and we'll pray. And so they talk. I mean, they really didn't have that much to talk about. But they had a lot of prayer because Jesus saved, 
Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is God. When you believe in Jesus, you will be saved and you will be healed. How many times can you repeat that in one week? But they went and they spoke and they prayed. And one night, the second night, someone heard about this Jesus who could save and who could heal. So she came carrying her mother on her back because her mother was paralyzed. And to Sister Jiang, well, Jesus can heal, so please pray for her. So Sister Jiang and all the other three sisters, okay, you know, Jesus said he can heal. Lay hands, pray. And after they prayed, nothing happened. Okay, take your mom home. I mean, it didn't occur to them that, well, she's not well, you know, she didn't get healed. Because they weren't supposed to be the one doing the healing, it was God. So if he didn't, she didn't get healed, take her home. So they took her home. The, the daughter, piggyback, took the mother home. And right that night, in the middle of the night, at about 3 or 4 o'clock in the morning, there was a commotion at the door in the house. And suddenly, Sister Jiang woke up and heard this commotion and thought, Oh no, the Chinese police must be here. And there was no way to run. There were no windows to run out. There were no back door. There was just one front door. And they thought, we have to go face it. Anyway, the owner of the house opened the door, and there was this young woman with the mother standing beside her. And they had come and said, well, she's healed now. She went home, we put her to bed, and in the middle, and just now she woke up and she started walking, and so we have to come and tell you. And they all came. And of course, revival in that village. And Sister Jiang, instead of a week, spent two months going around the neighboring villages because everyone heard about Jesus who healed. Following the command of Jesus from 1 million to 40 million to 100 million. Go and make disciples of all nations. They didn't really have much of the word. And you say to me, well, you know, I've just come to know Jesus. I don't really know the Bible, so, you know, I can't really do that. Or you say to me, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit old now, you know, I can't even remember Bible verses. I can't do that. That's not what the Bible tells us. That's not what the word of God tells us. Well, this group of young people, they came to know Jesus. Sister D, her age group, uh, Different groups of people came to know Jesus and they said, please, please. They went to the old grandmothers. Please tell us what you remember about the teaching of the missionaries. Please try and recall and tell us. And so the old grandma said, okay, okay, I remember this. I remember this. The missionary once told us this story from the Bible. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses in shake the basket and plant the seeds. What? Well, Jerusalem is Ye Lu Shalem. Okay, listen to this. Mandarin, Ye Lu Shalem. Shake the basket and plant the seeds is and you put in the missionary foreign accent to it, 
It could be anything. So they say, huh? When the Holy Spirit come upon us, we have the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God is with us, we will have power. We will be His witnesses. And what do we do? Let's go shake the basket and plant the seeds. And that was what they did. They went all over China to shake the basket and plant the seeds. But that's not the end of the story, my friends. That's just the beginning. Today, they are still obeying the command of Jesus to go shake the basket and plant the seeds. And God today has planted this vision of reaching the largest unreached people group in the world, the Muslims, into the hearts of these Chinese people. Maybe not all of them, but some of them. And we are Jeff and I were privileged that we get to work with some of these young people who have the vision. Last year we have a couple, 22 years old when they came to us, married for one month. They got married on August 8th and came to us on September 9th because they have this calling. Kevin, Kevin, when he first received the calling, he didn't even know what it was. He was in the Bible school. He was sent there by his family because he really wasn't a very obedient child. So the parents thought, send him to a Bible school. Maybe they will change him around. And Jesus did. He encountered Jesus. And he was changed, but the, the lessons were still pretty boring. And he was sitting in a class that was teaching hermeneutics. And it was a Taiwanese teacher. And his mind was just going round the world. He wasn't listening to anything. But suddenly, two words that the teacher mentioned caught his attention. Middle East. He didn't know what happened. He didn't know why. But something just came forth. Middle East. And it caught him. You know, like all good Chinese students, they don't ask their teachers. They... He didn't know where Middle East was. He thought, you know, we are living in the Middle Kingdom. So Middle East must be somewhere east side of Middle Kingdom. Because China, uh, China in Mandarin is Zhongguo. Zhongguo means Middle Kingdom. Anyway, so he started praying for the Middle East. And he said every day when he prayed for the Middle East, he would cry. He would cry for the people of the Middle East. He didn't know who they were. He didn't know where they were. And after a few months, finally he found out where the Middle East was and who the people group was, the Muslims. And that set his goal. He was 19 then. At the age of 22, he and his wife came to us, trained for 16 months. He made friends in his schools with Libyans, with Yemenis, with all kinds of people. But there were two particular Libyan family, Muslims, who became very close friends with him. And they talk about everything. And he tried to apply everything he's learned to share with them. Isa al-Masih, the Arabic name of Jesus the Messiah. Today, Kevin and Joyce, they are now learning the Arabic language. Finished training with us in end of January this year. And now they are in one of the countries in the Arabic Peninsula, a Muslim country, learning Arabic language. 
They are on a journey. God has called up different people like this all over China and say, go, make disciples of all nations. Because when my spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses. And we are living in these times when I truly believe this is the time waves and waves and waves of Muslims will come to know Jesus. We've, we, 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 we've received news in Iran. Over 100,000 have responded to Jesus, except there were no, not enough people to disciple them. So half of them were lost. In Bangladesh, Ahmad, we met Ahmad a few, few months back. We met him. Ahmad came to know Jesus when he was a teenager. A missionary came to his village and uh, did social work and then gave him a Bible. He took the Bible home, and the Bible was in Bangla, in his language. He took the Bible home when his father found out. His father was so angry and said, you throw the Bible away. And he said, no, this is the holy book. The Quran, Prophet Muhammad told us that we should read all the holy books. This is a holy book. I will not throw it away. He didn't even know Jesus then, but he refused to throw the Bible away. As a result, his father kicked him out of the house. And he went to the city and looked for this missionary. He was discipled. And after he was discipled, he went back. And he from didn't change his nationality, didn't change anything about himself except his faith. And he started sharing Isa al-Masih and the teaching of Isa al-Masih with his best friend, with his family, and they came to the Lord. And over about 15 years, planted 500 house churches with 8,000 Muslim background believers. And it's still happening. And it's all done on the inside. Bangladesh. Indonesia. In Indonesia, there's a group of people that they, they wanted to minister and, and bring the gospel to the Muslims, but they didn't know how, and they prayed and asked God for a strategy. And so God showed them about the sacrifices that were recorded in the Bible. The holy books, the Pentateuch, is considered one of the holy books in the Bible, uh, in the Quran. The Injil, the New Testament, is a holy book as far as Prophet Muhammad is concerned. So, they, they looked through the Old Testament and they found all the sacrifices. Because Abraham was recorded in the Quran, Noah was recorded in the Quran, so they found all that. And they made stories. And then they started going to tell the stories of sacrifice. And one after the other, a few Muslims came to know Jesus. And then they said to these Muslim background believers, now you go and tell. You go and tell. And they stopped. They stood back. They just discipled this few. And this few went and told. And then they went and told and went and told and went and told. And in three years, 80 house churches were started with Muslim background believers. And they say, we don't bring them to church. We make them the church. 
God is doing an amazing thing, and you and I get to be a part of it. Go and make disciples of all nations. Yes, I know not all of you can go. This is mission fest. Some of you give. Some of you commit time to pray. Some of you commit time to do the go team and and short term teams. But I tell you one thing. All of you are called. Every one of us, we are called. We are called to love the Lord our God with all of our hearts, all of our soul, all of our minds, all of our strength. And what does that mean? No, it doesn't mean that you sit here and worship for ten hours every day. No, it means you will say yes to Jesus and say, "I will follow you." Jesus said, "Do this." Yes. Yes. To be a follower of Christ, to follow the commands of Christ, and to teach others to follow the commands of Christ—that is our assignment, and every one of us can do it. No, not all of you will go to the nations, but my friends, I have good news for you today, because the nations have come to you, and I know for a fact that the Muslims have come to Chicago. Many of you have them in your neighborhood. You might not be able to preach that much, but you can make a difference. Go and welcome them. Talk to them. Yes, there will be challenges. There will be fear. Am I over time? <laughs> there will be challenges and there will be fear. Why? Because we are human beings, and that's okay. God says. Take courage. Do not fear. Courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the ability to act in the presence of fear, because we know God is an Almighty God. Todd and Linda, they came to us in '07. Yeah. After two months, you know, we 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 train them. We tell them, you know, in Malaysia, it's okay. Most of them are not that radical. Most of them are quite, you know, average. And the Muslims, you can make friends with them. Don't worry. And yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Todd says God told me to go to the Muslims in India. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I will go. I will die for Jesus. And then, after two months, we were having a mentoring debriefing session with them and doing and everything. And they say, oh, we don't have enough practice. You know, don't have enough opportunity to practice our English because they have to learn English before they can learn Arabic. And so we say, "Well, you take the bus home every day. Why don't you talk to the people on the bus?" And Todd say, "Oh no, no. Every day before I get on the bus, I'll look around and see if there's any suspicious character that might be a suicide bomber. And if I don't see anyone like that, I get on the bus." Is he? Does he have a vision for the Muslims? Yes. Is he afraid and weak? Yes. But obey the commandment of Jesus and teaching others to obey him. And that is what's about. I mean, Paul, Todd, and Linda. You know, they finished with us and. They 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 finished in November, and by that time Linda was pregnant with her second child, and so we said, okay, we can't send them to India 
the first round, and she's going to give birth. So let's arrange for them to go somewhere a bit nearer, a bit safer, we thought, to northeast, uh, northwest China, Xinjiang province, which, was a, which is a predominantly Muslim area. But um, it was a very sad thing. Uh, Linda lost her baby uh, when it was like maybe five months old. And so she lost the baby. But we felt, well, still go to northwest China. That would be a bit better. She has to go through this trauma of losing a child and everything. It will be easier on them. February, Jeff went with them, took them there, introduced them to a team that we know of and so that they could work together and learn from the team. And then by um, May, they opened a shoe shop, retail shoe shop, in order to establish an identity there, because why are you here if you're, you're not doing any business, you're not working, there must be something wrong. So they established their identity, they had a shoe shop and they were doing it. July, I don't know and if you ever heard of it, July 5th, 2009, there was a racial riot in northwestern China. The Muslim Uyghurs went out and hacked Han Chinese to death. And Todd and Linda, are Han Chinese, and they're trying to reach the Muslims. And where that happened, where hundreds of people were killed, was just five minutes from their shoe shop. And, and that, that really threw them off. But they were so scared, and they saw all the Han Chinese beginning to leave. And the Beijing government sent troops, hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands of troops to guard that city. Because they were the Han Chinese were wanting to fight back, and pretty soon there would be civil war. They saw their neighbors leaving with baggages, and both of them said, they prayed, and they said, no, we have to stay. Their leaders called them and said, come home, come home. No, we got to stay, and they stayed. It was very stressful, because there were rumors that the Uyghurs were going to the preschool and kindergartens to get the Han Chinese children, and they have a four-year-old girl. It's not easy, and it's not safe. But it's never easy and never safe. The only thing we can hold on to is he is good and he is faithful. And when it's not time, it's not time. So my friends, let me challenge you. You have the nations here. What are you going to do about them? No, 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 no. Don't tell me you can't speak their language. They will have to learn English. Why don't you offer yourself to tutor them? Can I tutor? Yes, of course. Don't charge anything. Why don't you offer yourself to show them around Chicago? Show them the love of Jesus. It's never safe. But he is ever good and faithful. You have a calling to love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind. And you have the assignment to make disciples, teaching them to obey all Jesus commanded. 
and my challenge to you. Wherever you are, whatever God has put into your heart, whatever God is challenging you, will you say yes? One last one. This old lady from China, she came to know Jesus when she was quite old. She was illiterate. She couldn't read, couldn't do anything. But it was in the early 90s when people started bringing Bibles, co- books, cartoons, comic books of China, uh, comic books of Jesus, you know, to go in. And so she got hold of one. And all she did was this. She would take the comic book to the park every day and sit there. And at that time, you know, there's nothing much to do. People just kind of walk around the park. And she would open her comic book and put it on her lap. People would gather around and look. And then she would slowly flip one page at a time for people to read. Have you finished? Finished? Okay. She didn't know how to preach. She didn't even read the Bible. But she could flip the pages. What is Jesus asking you to do? And will you say yes to him? Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to command everything that I have taught you. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power to be my witnesses, to shake the basket and plant the seeds.